0: I don't think West Michigan is the type of community that wants to see a library or the people who dedicate their time to it as super villains.
1: Remember when the biggest beef at the Board of Education or your Library Oversight Council was whether to digitize the library's catalog or to transition away from the Dewey
0: Decimal System?
1: Yeah, good times.
0: This incident has tarnished the community's trust in this board due to the lack of transparency in this matter and the underhanded way in which Mr. Palladino attempted to falsely skew the image of public support in his favor. I feel that you have lost my trust and the trust of this board. And until you figure that out, good luck finding people to work here.
1: 2021 and 2022 have seen some of the highest numbers of book challenges
0: in decades. Some libraries would get one or two a year, maybe that's a lot. And now we're seeing, you know, 10, 15. Some libraries are seeing, you know, upwards of, you know, 20, 25. We've seen lists that have been given to libraries that there are over 400 books on a list. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer.
1: The American Library Association began documenting book challenges 20 years ago. Since then, 2021 saw a record high of 729 documented book challenges across the country. This year, the ALA documented 681 challenges just between January and August alone. Michigan is no exception to the trend. We've been following the debate over seven books being challenged within the Dearborn Public School District. Earlier this year, Residents of Jamestown harassed librarians at the city's only public library over young adult books containing LGBTQ-positive themes. The protesters accused them of pedophilia and grooming. Debbie McCula is the executive director of the Michigan Library Association. She recently wrote an op-ed for The Washington Post about concern among librarians about this uptick in challenges. Today, she's going to explain to us some of the trends that she's seen and what typically happens in libraries when a book is challenged.
0: So a book challenge is if someone sees a a material or a display or a program that they are not happy with, and they bring it to the attention of the library staff or the school, you know, personnel, and it goes through a process, almost all public libraries and almost all school Uh, administration have something called a collection development policy and a reconsideration process. We know that there are disagreements uh, of opinion. They're inevitable. Um, They're a fact of life uh, for librarianship and for education. Um, And so it's a formalized process. So if someone find something that they consider unconventional or unpopular or unacceptable, they bring it to the attention of those in charge, and then it goes through a, a formal process. So that's a book challenge. A book ban is if, um, they, if, if someone has taken the book off of the shelf and puts it someplace else or just uh, removes it. Based on that challenge, so if the reconsideration process goes through and the administration or the library board decides that it isn't appropriate, they take it off of the shelf and then it, it it's a banned book. So across the country, we're just seeing an unprecedented uptick of these challenges that are targeting mostly books by LGBTQ, BIPOC, by women. Um, Books about racism, sexuality, gender, history, um, and we're just seeing this, this amazing uptick of book challenges or bringing to the attention of the library that these books are not appropriate for students or for anyone in the public.
1: I wonder if you could speak to what the process, what you know of the process that happened in Dearborn, and whether it, whether it sounds like uh, things went the way a librarian would, you know, according to, I guess, a library best practice.
0: Well, I think this past August, um, there was an update to their collection development policy and reconsideration process. Uh and um, by September, um, when someone or some group had challenged five, you know, physical items and two that were within the um two that were within the ebook collection, they didn't follow the policy. So, they have a good reconsideration process, but it was not followed. So they have to follow with precision by anyone wishing to bring a title to their attention. Um, they have to a, a meticulous implementation of their policies because it sets it sets a foundation for being transparent and credible and trustworthy on both sides. So those who are challenging, you know, find that it's a credible process, and they they can follow that process. And those on the opposing side can look at it as a transparent, and credible, and trustworthy process as well. So, we n- would never endorse limiting access to any book prior to a formal challenge. The formal challenge comes when they have written out why they are in disagreement with having that book in the library. Um, And so we do not endorse limiting access to any books before the conclusion of the reconsideration process, which sometimes can go on for, you know, a number of weeks, maybe even even a month or so, um, as it goes through reading that book, making sure that those who are, you know, looking at it um, understand why it has been brought to their attention, so that's one of the things that um, we were heartened to hear that they had you know, updated their policy, yet they didn't follow that policy.
1: Do you have any sense in the case of Dearborn of how many people are saying LGBT content is inappropriate end of sentence and how many might say we don't have a problem with LGBT content in schools, but
0: we believe that these seven titles are not appropriate? So I don't have any statistics for the Dearborn area, um, but we do. We have national public opinion polls that have been conducted by nonpartisan research firms um, on behalf of the American Library Association, on behalf of every library, and both both show pretty close to the same thing. About seventy five percent of Americans oppose book banning, and they're willing to consider you know, the consequences of that when they go to the polls in in November. About 8% of voters believe that there are many books that are inappropriate and should be banned. So I think the statistics really do indicate that the actions of a very small local minority are giving the impression that our schools and our libraries are full of offensive materials, which is simply not the case.
1: We need to take a short break. More in just a minute.
0: Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world more at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org.
1: You've written about the increase in book challenges this year, and we saw an op-ed that you published in the Washington Post. Can you share what you think is going on right now?
0: Well, I think I'll start with censorship is nothing new. So as we're watching um, what's happening in our public libraries and our school libraries, we are concerned only because we're seeing um, such a huge increase in those in those book challenges. So, you know, removing books or disabling the ebook collection um, without um, a formal written challenge or a proper review process is something that we take very very seriously, and we're looking at that um, uh, especially right now in the Dearborn area um, at the Dearborn Public Schools uh, and making sure that we are. Bringing to their attention that again challenges are nothing new, but we're just seeing such an increase right now during you know this time frame before the election, uh, and we want to make sure that um, we are protecting the First Amendment rights of our students.
1: You know, you mentioned a minute ago that that challenges to books are always a part of of library work, and I just kind of wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the position that librarians are in with these challenges on a day-to-day basis and maybe what feels different now?
0: Yeah, you know, we're really proud of the hard work being performed by, they are, you know, trained and certified librarians across Michigan um, and, and there are many of them that are working on behalf of the students in Dearborn. Um, Dearborn Public Schools employ um, a handful of of certified librarians and media specialists. They all have master of library and information uh, science degrees. They have teaching certificates. They are highly educated um, to develop collections that meet a really broad and varied interest of of the needs of of the school body, the student body. Um, it's a core tenant of librarianship to make sure that they can, you know, that they provide for the interests of all. Um, and and they do that without bias, which is really in in, you know, I guess, in better words, they're upholding our constitutional promise of access to information for everyone. And they're very committed information professionals. Um, and making sure that they can curate the collections, that they can um, you know, maintain the collections, and they can weed the collections based on making sure that every student can see themselves in the books um, and the resources that their library or their school provides. So they're being put forward right now as not, <laughs> not doing the job that they're supposed to, and yet they are again they are highly qualified to do this work highly educated and many of them are just they, they are being placed in positions of 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 intimidated you know um by by what's happening in the in the country today
1: it feels like the concern that we see some parents addressing who are you know kind of just maybe just getting to this this conversation is like they hear they hear somebody saying you know, your kids are getting access to this book no matter their age and no matter the age appropriateness of it. Could you say a little bit more about what curation looks like when, when books are on shelves? I mean, would you say that most librarians feel that there is, uh, there is a place for supervision of who's getting access to which titles?
0: Well, I will take the school libraries are different from public libraries. So so we'll, you know, maybe talking about school libraries, because we're talking about Dearborn today. You know, again, they're School librarians are committed information professionals who are curating these collections, and they're choosing a range of age-appropriate subjects that reflect diverse experiences. That's that's their work. That is what they are trained for. They are upholding our First Amendment rights to make sure that students are first and foremost priority is, is these students. And I think that they are looking at the curation of collections again, without bias, they are not reading every single book. There is there is no possible way that they are going to read every single book. They go by professional reviews of these books and the publishers who are, are helping to choose the age range, um, which are all, again, I will say they're very subjective, but they are trying to choose a collection of books that reflect very diverse experiences and as you know every student is a unique individual in those schools uh, and and we want to make sure that we are you know serving all we can't just serve one portion of the population we have to serve every single student and um, i think librarians look at their role in curating those those collections based on every single student that walks into their doors. You know, if we're going to put our students first, we really do need to give them space to think critically and prepare for the real world um, and, and engage in civil discourse. And sometimes what we're seeing is, you know, extremist rhetoric or the shock value of reading aloud from pages of books that are really delivered out of context. Um, the name calling, there has been unfounded police reports, there's spreading of misinformation. It only serves to divide us, um, as does censorship. So we are trying to protect the rights of all students and families to freely exercise their right to read as guaranteed by the First Amendment.
1: And that's the stateside podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full stateside episodes for listening at michiganradio.org, including some of our previous coverage of these library battles. Today's pod was produced by Ronia Cabansag. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for this podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
0: Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams.
1: I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection.
0: It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.